0: Hey Storm Freaks, it's Phil. We welcome first time guest and tropical storm forecaster, Dr. Phil Klotzbach to the studio tonight.
1: One thing that is cool is the European Center is going to start at some point early this year, I think they said maybe even the next few weeks, putting out their 46 day forecast every day. Um, So that would be really, really nice to have that data available.
0: And we'll be shaking things up with our hashtag Weatherfools and a familiar sounding potty mouth forecast. It's all on episode one seventy four of the Stormfront Freaks podcast.
1: Going green, <laughs> greenage,
2: saddle up. You got it, boss.
0: Hey, welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast. This is the award-winning Stormfront Freaks podcast and it's brought to you by the Drive Weather app. So Drive Weather's interactive time slider it updates the weather forecast along your route based on your departure time in real time. So it tells you what the weather's going to be like 300 miles down the road when you're 300 miles down the road, which is pretty cool. So have a safer trip by finding the best time to leave. And avoid the bad weather. So add it to your phone at driveweatherapp.com or your app store. Hey, thanks to our Patreon teammates. We love you all. Uh, Thanks for supporting the show. We got a new Patreon teammate, uh, Jeremy Bauer, uh, who who did our top 10 countdown episode that we just had. So, Jeremy, welcome. Uh, And then we've got, I'm going to quick check, uh, we got Josh Burnham. Looks like is back there. And then uh, we got our superstar trio VIPs. So I see Angela and Dan and Garrett are all here as well. So uh, thanks for joining us. You can also join our Patreon team. We've got multiple levels of perks and exclusive merch. You can find our Patreon link at stormfrontfreaks.com. And again, thanks for joining the team. So question, uh, how many of you are planning on heading to the uh, National Storm Chasers Summit? One, two, three, four. We've got three and a half. It looked like there was <laughs> Angela's kind of waving her hand a little bit. but uh, So the 2023 National Storm Chaser Summit. Uh, if you haven't yet, I'm telling you what, you're running out of time. So join the freaks. Uh, I'm going to be there. Serena's going to be there. Uh, Jen is going to be there. Uh, I saw Dan waving his hand. Angela was kind of the havesy there, but uh, hopefully she'll be there. Um, this is February 3rd through the 5th. It's near Oklahoma City. Uh, they're planning to do, it's a, it's a three-day event this year, so it's kind of cool. They're planning to do a forecasting class and a first aid class on Friday. And uh, we're also going to be handing out our Stormfront Freaks uh, Storm Chaser emergency kits to those that are attending the first aid class. So if, so if you're going to that, uh, we put together some cool first aid kits for you. They've got uh, tourniquets and gloves and CPR masks. Uh, gauze, uh, paracord. What am Red I Cross water pouches, maybe? No, those are not Those are not <laughs> oh. in there. Brady, you, you kind of ruined that, I think, for everybody <laughs> oh, with that. But anyway, and then Saturday, there's going to be an incredible lineup of speakers, including some of our past guests, uh, Josh Morgerman, Jeff Pietrowski, Tim Marshall, Dr. Jason Persoff, Rick Smith, Jen Walton, uh, Jennifer Brindley-Ubel, and then our own uh, Serena Arnold. So those are some of the speakers that are going to be there, but those are all past guests of ours. And then Sunday, there's going to be a bunch of Chaser stories and videos uh, from Chasers and their their 2022 Chases. So what you got to do is just uh, go ahead and visit chasersummit.com to register. Also, hotel accommodations are on site at the Delta Hotel. This is all in Midwest City, um, suburb of Oklahoma City. But here's the thing with the hotel, they're closing the group rate in a couple of weeks. So you basically need to act now if you want to get that group rate. And I even searched some of the surrounding hotels with my uh, membership, my Hilton membership, and the rates at this hotel were still better. And they've revamped all their rooms and everything. Uh, If you were at the summit last year, they were under construction and now they're open and, and rooms look sweet. So uh, go ahead and gear up for the 2023 season with your friends. Meet some new ones, including us. We'll have a table with giveaways and other fun stuff. Again, just go ahead and visit chasersummit.com now. Do that now, okay? So it's always happy hour when we record. Doesn't matter what time that is. What is. Doesn't matter what time you're listening. Uh, but it's a great way to introduce the co-hosts that are here tonight and let you know we like to have a little fun uh, while we're doing the show. So I'm going to go around the horn, find out who's at the bar, and find out what they're drinking. I'll start with uh, MJ, Mark Johnson, up in Minnesota. Uh,
3: hey. What are you drinking? Cheers, everybody. Tonight, I've got, uh, I've, maybe I've had this before. Sapsucker Farms is a local Mora, Minnesota uh, producer of cider. This is their barrel-aged yellow Belly hard cider.
4: Wow.
0: Fine nice. local. Drink local. <laughs> That's right. That's good. All right, Dina Knightley, our meteorologist and weather producer at the Weather Channel. What are you drinking?
4: I've got one of my decoy black cherry seltzers. I dig it. It's good. It's Yummy. kinda your new fave. It kinda is. Yeah. I kinda go gotta go back to my moonshine though go pretty to.
0: soon.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that a little earlier.
0: Oh, I miss that. I like my moonshine. All right, Serena Arnold, former meteorologist at Mount Washington Observatory. Serena, what are you
5: drinking? I've got a weather beer again tonight. This one's called First Drop. <clears throat> and it's got uh-huh. it's an American pale ale, but from Upper Pass, but it's got a cute little raindrop Ooh, on it. Yeah, it does. that is cute.
6: Serena, where do you keep finding these? I mean, it's I just know. like it's impressive.
5: Uh, I spend a lot of time in beer stores.
6: <laughs> I guess. It helps when you're Mrs.
7: New Hampshire too. I mean,
0: come on,
4: <laughs> <laughs> go in with your crown on, like.
7: All
0: right, on on that, Maz Masaro, our former on-camera meteorologist. Uh, what are you drinking, Mas? Wearing the? I got a mystery drink,
7: mystery drink inside of my brand new Yeti. Yeah. Thank you, Secret Santa, Santa Brady. Easy for me to say, and uh, it's great. Be,
3: I be something good in there. The way you're talking, I love it. I
7: love it. It's water. Uh huh.
4: Oh, you could have said anything.
7: I could have said anything.
4: Yeah,
0: because we can't tell, right? right? All right, Brady <laughs> Harris, our atmospheric science graduate. What are you drinking, Brady?
6: You know, I, I took out one of you know one of uh, MJ's books, and I'm having some rum and coke here. There I don't you go. think it's cat, or I don't think it's uh, Kraken, which he usually has. I, I don't even know what this is. I think this is like black strap. Like, I don't know if I'm going to die after if that's what the X means. What but, it is is empty. Uh, it, it, well, How much of yes, that yeah. did you drink? I, no, <laughs> I, well, I, I promise that this isn't just Coke. There's a little bit of, there's a little bit of something in there. A little bit. All right,
0: that's good. We know who's here, uh, maz I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce our guest.
7: Awesome, thank you. We have Dr. Phil klotzbach who's here today, the real Dr. Phil. Just saying, he's a research scientist in the Department of Atmospheric Science at Colorado State University. He was co-author on the Atlantic Basin Hurricane Forecast through 2005 and became the first author on the seasonal hurricane forecast in 2006. Welcome, Dr. Phil. How are you tonight? Good?
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Awesome.
7: So first question I have for you, before we really get into everything, how did you decide I want to be a researcher? (laughs) Well,
1: I've always been obsessed with the weather since I was a kid. Um, and so I've always just kind of been fascinated with like what makes the weather tick. Um, I remember when I was like five or six years old getting up at like five thirty in the morning to watch AM weather on PBS. I'm not sure if any of you remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and always would basically I grew up in Massachusetts, so it was always we I grew up in Massachusetts, but in Plymouth, so it was right on the water. And so mm-hmm. most of the time then our Easters would track a little too close to the coast and it would change to rain, which is very sad. So I had my dad, like, print out blank maps of the U.S., and I would try to draw synoptic weather patterns that would give us the most snow. Um, so, yeah, I've always been obsessed with the weather, and we had Hurricane Gloria go through when I was five, and that really got me interested in hurricanes specifically and what makes them tick. And, you know, I, worked with, I had the great privilege of working with Dr. Bill Gray for about 15 years, and he just had this insatiable curiosity wanting to know, you know, spent his entire life studying hurricanes and wanted to know what made – why hurricanes behave the way they do and still trying to figure it out. There's certainly, uh, it's it's a challenging thing because, right, because like the weather, we get clues. We have rough ideas, but then things sometimes don't pan out the way that we expect. And so I think that's really kind of what research is, right? So I do research, but I also do forecasting. We do seasonal hurricane predictions every year at Colorado State. We also do subseasonal forecasts, so how, how busy the next, say, two weeks are going to be. Sometimes the forecasts turn out well. Sometimes they don't. Um, and when they don't, when you bust, that's actually when you, I think, learn the most. Um, so I've tried to, you know, we can get into talking about what happened this past year. Um, and there's some things that worked out well, some things that didn't. So trying to kind of figure out why didn't things quite play out the way that we expected and then trying to obviously take that into account. So it's that in the future, when seasons like 2022 present themselves, we can have forecasts that are even better than what we had this past year. Do you, so. do you
7: have a favorite weather? Favorite type? Your favorite
1: weather condition?
7: Yeah, or type, or storm, or I mean, is there one thing you're like, oh, that that's my favorite.
1: Yeah, I mean, being in Colorado, it really it's 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 really hard to beat mammatus clouds. Um, those are some of my favorites. And so, well, I worked for Colorado State since 2000. I actually worked remotely and lived in the Northern California for about seven years. And I was very, very convectively deprived. And so we moved back <laughs> we moved back to Colorado and lived in the mountains for a few months. And when I was living in the mountains, especially in the San Juan mountains in Southwest Colorado during peak monsoon season, it was like every day, just mammatus clouds. It was, a, it, was it was. I felt like I got, got to kind of catch up on all the convection I missed over a few years. Um, so yeah, I would say those are probably my favorite ones. It's also, Colorado, we do occasionally get these kind of these Kelvin-Helmholtz waves, which are kind of basically instability clouds, and those are really cool, especially when you can actually see the crest of the waves actively breaking. Um, but that often is involved with really windy weather, so I'm not necessarily want to be out in it for too long.
5: That's awesome. So I've been watching, you know, paying attention to Bill Gray's forecasts you know, his seasonal hurricane forecast. He's like the guy right for years and years and years. And you had the privilege of working with him. You got to give me a peek behind the scenes here briefly. You know, what was it like working with him? You said he, you know, had this great curiosity, but, you know, tell us more about what it was like to work for such an icon.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was just, he was an amazing guy to work for. Um, I I guess I worked with him for about 15 years, towards the end of his career. um, So when I started working with him, he would have been 69 years old. Um, Just a fascinating guy. He had an interesting kind of background. So he got his start in weather in the Air Force, forecasting for the Air Force. Um, And then he actually had his undergraduate degree in geography and then got, which is also my undergraduate degree, so go geography, Um, and then got his master's and PhD in atmospheric science um from the university of chicago and then came out to colorado state um he just he it's amazing what he did with the data that he had now when we're so spoiled we can go and get any you can go online and like hey what was the weather on whatever day and just you know you can do all sorts of plots really really easily the data's all there and back then like he had he didn't basically know what he was looking for ahead of time because he basically you have call people up and say, hey, send me data from this one particular weather station. I think that's really what um, I think his legacy is, is he was very much an empiricist. He basically let the data kind of dictate where he was going to go. So he's, he's kind of best known in the general public for his seasonal hurricane forecast. But I mean, he made fundamental contributions to tropical cyclone genesis, his parameters for why storms form where they do um why we don't say for example get very many storms say in the south atlantic ocean why we get them when we do where where we do those parameters haven't been tweaked very much since this initial paper published in 1968 um he made fundamental contributions to even tropicals just convection so when we get thunderstorms why tropical convection tends to peak during the early morning hours um and so in all these different areas so in addition to just seasonal forecast just really a giant in the field and really also just a a very interesting guy to work for he just had a really good sense of humor just just a real character and i think the thing with bill gray is every single person who met bill gray even if they only met him once has a story about him like he just kind of he would make some sort of comment that would give you kind of make you leave you scratching your head and laughing so um just a real a real character in addition to being a brilliant scientist and he was kind of like my grandfather too um, gave a nice uh, toast at my wedding and stuff like that. So just really, really blessed to have had the chance to work with him for, for as long as I did and try to kind of keep his legacy alive as long as we can. Um, there's, a, there's also, so Dr. Gray had, I believe, about, gosh, 40 master's students, 20 PhD students, something like that, maybe even more. Um, so basically anyone who's in the Bill Gray Research Project, we always try to meet up and get together whenever we get the opportunity. So it, it's, it's still, it's, it's really neat to have had the chance to work with him.
5: That's awesome. So talking about this hurricane season, then, you know, you alluded a a little bit to some of it was a little crazy. (laughs) So I know the Mm -hmm. forecast came out saying, hey, this hurricane season is going to probably be above above average. I feel like everything was tracking along really well. And then August hit. (laughs) So you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what went on in August and why it dropped such a big dry spell during a time where we're supposed to have, you know, be reaching our peak for hurricanes.
1: Sure, yeah. And so, you know, I, I gave a talk at, for, for the AMS weather band at the end of November, and I basically said, 2022, the most, um, what did I say, the most um, abnormal, normal season on record. So at the end of the day, the numbers yeah. look like pretty much a dead-on average season, you know, nothing to see, not yeah. that exciting. Um, but it was extremely unusual in the way that it behaved. So we had a fairly busy in June into early July, and then nothing from, I believe, July the 3rd through the end of August. It's the first time that had happened since 1941 when Ted Williams wow. in 406 for my hometown Boston Red Sox. So it had been a long, long time to go that long with no storms. And um, our group of Colorado State, NOAA, all these other groups do seasonal forecasts are for saying busy, busy season. We had a, no storms in August and a really busy September, and then a really quiet October followed by a really busy November. <laughs> Um, so at the end of the day, it ended up average. But August was, I think that was the biggest surprise in that end of September, at least the stuff I was looking at, we could say, okay, October was likely to be fairly quiet. But August, even in early August, we didn't expect it. And even the the dynamical models, so the numerical models like the European center model, the, the global forecast system from the US, were all pretty robust at forecasting a busy second half of August you basically, you had La Nina, which is colder than normal water in the Eastern and Central Tropical Pacific. Normally when that occurs, that reduces levels of vertical wind shear. So while vertical wind shear in general is what we, what we what you want if you want severe weather. Vertical wind shear is bad for the hurricanes. It basically suppresses hurricane development by tilting the hurricane vortex. So basically in the Atlantic, your low level winds typically blow out of the east at upper levels high up in the atmosphere, they blow out of the west and that tends to tear apart hurricanes climatologically, which is why the Atlantic normally doesn't have as many storms as, say, the western North Pacific. In La Nina, that tends to reduce your shear. But in August, the shear was still fairly elevated. And a lot of that wasn't necessarily coming from tropical forcing, it was coming more from mid-latitude forcing. We had what's known as wave breaking. So basically, we had a lot more um, frontal intrusions into the tropics. And when you have fronts moving into the tropics, From the middle latitudes, low pressure areas, that tends to bring in drier air since the middle latitudes tend to be drier than the tropics, but also a lot of vertical wind shear, especially in the central and western Atlantic. And that really knocked down storm activity, even though we had La Nina and we also had um, sub-seasonal tropical variability um, that was also would normally favor a busy time. So August shear was was fairly elevated. September shear was quite low and we had a very busy month, most notable producing hurricanes Fiona um, and Ian. And then October actually had extremely high shear, some of the highest shear in October actually on record, even in the La Nina event. And that was likely driven a lot more by subseasonal variability that was very harsh for that month. And then basically all that kind of broke down in early November, we got one last flurry. I thought we had a shot in early <laughs> a season hurricane, but it didn't quite get it. <laughs>
4: Because, Phil, uh, the first – we use your Colorado State stuff a lot at weather.com. Um, is it the first one comes out in August, right? Like how oh. early do you start really hunkering down to get that forecast started?
1: Oh, well, I mean, so our first, our first formal forecast comes out in April. Um, April. But, but we – I mean, I'm, I look at stuff now. I mean, always. Like, <laughs> all, all year <laughs> long. <laughs> how, early, early, how early is now. too early, Phil? No, it, I mean, we don't put out a forecast now, but we're certainly already looking at stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the big things that we're monitoring this time of year is is what's going on with El Nino. We've been in this really long, prolonged La Nina. Um. So it's colder than normal water in the eastern and central tropical Pacific has tended to persist since um, early March, April time of 2020. Um, so we've had kind of this long, prolonged La Nina event. And there are indications that it may be weakening, but... At least in the short term, the winds across the tropical Pacific look to be such that I would expect the La Nina to persist for at least the next um, maybe month, two months. Um, but normally, if you're going to get a change, it occurs during the spring. So March, April, May. Um, and a lot of the models are aggressive at cha- calling for a change, potentially even to El Nino. However, it is important to realize that these models have been aggressive at calling for El Nino for quite a while. And we still haven't seen one.
4: <laughs> and uh, I think this is what the third La Nina in a row.
1: Correct. Yeah, we've had three years of La Nina in a row. We have not had a four-year La Nina event. I think that would be really, really unlikely, but we could potentially have neutral conditions, which means neither La Nina nor El Nino. And then pretty much all bets are off. You can have a, a really quiet season. You can have an extremely busy season. Um, some of the busiest seasons we ever had have been in neutral years, but we've also had really quiet seasons in neutral years. So then it becomes a lot more what's going on in the Atlantic Um that really kind of dictates then how busy the the 2023 season would be, but certainly already now we're, we're, we're kind of monitoring conditions, but we're also, we also every year we'll probably, we effectively tweak a lot of the models that we use taking into account what we learned from prior years. So we'll certainly be doing some, um, some work uh, for the 2023 season we will likely be for working on trying to, especially anticipate what happened in August. There's not, We actually had a a, a PhD student in our research group, the research group that I work in that spent, um, got her PhD effectively looking at predictions of this and the drivers of it. And there wasn't a ton there on August through October, but I think if we maybe focus on August specifically, because that tends to be when that wave breaking during the peak months of the season tends to be at its strongest. So we'll be looking at that um, over the next couple of months um, to try to better be able to um, anticipate that for future years. So so Phil... Phil,
7: I was just going to okay. say, Brady, didn't you ask, Brady, how early is too early to forecast? So what is your yeah. forecast for 2023, Phil?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, how early is too early to forecast? Yeah. Yes. So okay, at, this, at this lead time, I'd say four to 20, four to 30 storms, you know, yeah. uh, 3 to, 3 to 16 hurricanes. No, no. I mean, right now, I mean, I would say right now, you know, it, it's really hard to say just because. We really don't have a clue what's going to happen with El, El Nino at this okay. point. You kind of want to see how things play out, even by April. So April, the forecast still is, is, is moderate. Um, there is some forecast still there, but it's not great um, because El Nino, unfortunately, decides you normally to change during the spring, which is when we're trying to do these forecasts. So you're forecasting Southern Hemisphere, from that perspective, forecasting Southern Hemisphere cyclones is a lot easier than in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, you tend to get these transitions during the spring um so we'll certainly be monitoring those conditions but i also kind of want to see what plays out in the atlantic um how how those sea surface temperatures trend over the next couple of months um so certainly we'll have a lot more to say with that um what goes into
6: what goes into forecasts like like, so you talked about like la nina el nino what are some other factors that you're looking for you know maybe not now because a little too early but like you know you get it you get into you know march april may you're looking at some of these factors what are you looking at outside of kind of el nino and la nina
1: Yeah, so a lot of the factors, and it's interesting too, if you look at where the predictors that we use are located, if you look, say, in March, April timeframe, those predictors may be fairly far afield from the Atlantic Ocean. And that's because we're looking more at basically what are known as teleconnections. So If you have wind pressure, sea surface temperature changes in one area, say, during the spring, that will then alter the atmospheric circulation in such a way that by the time you get to the summer, it will then, say, change the water temperatures in the Atlantic. So if you look at our predictors in April, they tend to be fairly far, spread a little farther out than what you look at, say, when we're doing our forecast in early August. So a lot of our efforts, even in March, April, is trying to get an idea of what the El Nino is going to do. So, um, We have a statistical model that looks at um, sea surface temperatures in the tropical Pacific Ocean. So what they are currently also what the pressure and wind patterns look like in the Pacific Ocean to kind of tend to kind of force what might be happening with El Nino over the next few months. In the Atlantic, we also look at upper level wind patterns over Africa that even in that early lead time can kind of give us an idea as to potentially what the upper level winds might be during the summer. And then we focus a lot on water temperatures, not in the deep tropics, but in the subtropical Atlantic, because when those waters, say, are warmer than normal in the subtropical Atlantic, so say off the west coast of Africa, those waters are warmer than normal, that tends to force lower pressures. And if you have lower pressures, that tends to force weaker winds on the southern periphery of that lower pressure, and that weaker winds lead to less mixing, churning up of the ocean surface, which leads to basically the ocean's obviously warming up every year from spring to summer, but anomalously warming. So warming up faster than normal. Hmm.
6: Yeah. I mean, that's super interesting, right? Because you have all these different factors at play and, you know, they're, they're, you know, La Nina, El Nino, those, you know, translate to certain things, the hurricane season, but even off of the coast of Africa with the waters, I mean, I didn't even think about that. Right. But that makes total sense because that's where they form. That's where those you know systems tend to form. Is, Is there any like, around the Gulf, any factors you're looking at? Are you waiting till August or September to like, look, you know, I get maybe even July to look at like, you know, sea surface temperatures around there, you know, cause obviously you can't, you can't predict those in April
1: or, or, or May or can you? Yeah. So, I mean, the Gulf of Mexico is, is interesting because it, it actually is a fairly low predictability region. So trying to be able to predict say storm activity in the Gulf. And some of that is because our prediction skill generally comes from the deep tropics, and storms that form in the deep tropics typically form off the coast of Africa. They may form in the Caribbean. Storms in the Gulf, they can form in the Gulf in situ. And if they form in the Gulf, they may form from frontal systems, things like that, especially early and late season. Those don't necessarily correlate as much with the kind of predictors that we normally use for a seasonal forecast. Whereas if you look, say, at storms forming in the Caribbean, tropical Atlantic, most of those do form from... Basically, waves or disturbances coming off of Africa. And that's where we have our highest levels of predictability. Um, I would say if I had to pick one predictor, the best predictor that we have um, prior to the peak of the season is we look at the strength of the low level winds. So the winds just above the ocean surface, the trade winds in the Caribbean during July. When those are weaker than normal, that tends to mean a very, very busy season is coming up. And that's due to the fact that to get those weaker winds, you need to have. High pressure in the eastern Pacific, which typically means you have a La Nina. It means you, also means you have lower pressures in the Atlantic, which means a more unstable atmosphere, um, basically just a har- harbinger of, of, of a very busy season. Also, if you have lower, weaker winds at low levels, that tends to reduce those levels of vertical wind shear, which is, again, critical for forming storms. Also, when you have those weaker winds, again, you have the, the less churning up, mixing up of the ocean surface, allowing for the waters to warm up. And obviously, warmer waters providing more fuel for hurricanes to develop and intensify.
7: Do, do you have, I mean, obviously, we, we get the spaghetti models that come out whenever there's a hurricane and everybody's talking about spaghetti. Is there one model that you're like, yeah, that's really kind of my model I look for? And are there, are there any new improvements or new models coming out in that area?
1: Are, are you just seeing anything or, oh, we've reached the peak. We've done the best we can. <laughs> Yeah, and so you know, I mean, I look at everything under the kitchen sink when it comes to models. Um, since my focus is more, I mean, I obviously look at what's going on with individual storms and what's going to happen the next day. More of my focus on what's going to happen later. Um, so, what's going to happen the next week or two? So, even say, for example, when there's say a storm like Hurricane Ian that's bearing down on Florida, I'm providing content on that storm, but I'm also looking to have what might be coming on down the pike. And so, I use basically a variety of ensembles. So there's tools both from the um, the uh, U.S. ensemble, so from the global forecast system, they have uh, the GFS ensemble, which has a bunch of, um, basically what you do is you take your observations at a particular time, and then you basically tweak them to kind of basically estimate the uncertainty in those observations, and you run those forward in time. And so those very small perturbations at the start, basically those errors grow with time. So it kind of gives you a good idea of kind of the spread. So I'll look at, the forecast of actual where tropical cyclones may develop, also kind of what the large scale is going to be. So looking at that, as well as the um, ones from the European Center. One thing that is cool is the European Center is going to start at some point early this year, I think they said maybe even the next few weeks, putting out their 46-day forecast every day. Um, So that would be really, really nice to have that data available. Um, Honestly, one of the things I kind of want to see is how stable are those forecasts um, going down the pike obviously if you're looking at tropical cyclone genesis once you get beyond week one especially once you get beyond week two there's not a lot of skill there so what i look at more than um where the models say storms are forming is more like what the environment's going to look like because basically if the environment is more conducive or less conducive you're likely to see more or fewer storms but you know some of these ensembles <laughs> they can give you good information but the model the ensembles are very bullish going into late August and we still had nothing for a couple of weeks and then pretty much everything really broke broke down in September so or or got really busy in September so um, I look at everything and just because one model does well with one storm or does well one year doesn't guarantee that that model is going to do better the following year because when you're looking at these global models they're basically built kind of their max their target skill metric is like the 500 millibar geopotential height anomaly Um, and so that's that's basically if they can improve that globally then that's when they put out a lot of these model upgrades so when that's kind of your baseline skill metric that may or may not improve the hurricane forecasts um so certainly some years models may do great with um the latitude weather but not necessarily predict the tropics as well and models depend some models will just struggle with a particular storm they won't do well with the storm for whatever reason um depending on, and so yeah, I, I look at everything under under the, uh, everything but the kitchen sink with all these with, with basically with seasonal forecasting, subseasonal forecasting, and with day to day forecasting of hurricanes. I spend way too much time looking at models, which is one reason why normally, if your wife asks you what you're doing in the middle of the night and you say you're looking at models, you know normally she's gonna scold it. <laughs> i right. to work. It okay.
4: Weather models. <laughs> Phil, exactly. She knows the kind thing. of models I'm talking about. Yeah, she knows. <laughs> but you did say one thing that caught my attention. You were saying um you were looking at pressures off Africa really early in the season when we usually don't get a lot of stuff forming off Africa till later in the season. So that just caught my attention and you know why are you look why are you looking at that so intensely?
1: Yeah, so we're actually not even looking, um, I'd say like right off the coast of Africa where the storms come off, we're looking even high, we're looking higher latitudes. So say like 25 to 35, 40 degrees north, and it's basically what happens is it's, if, if you have basically a weaker subtropical high pressure system, so a weaker Azores high, what that does during the spring is when you have that weaker high pressure, basically that reduces your pressure gradient, so you get weaker low level winds blowing across the tropical Atlantic, and that means effectively um, allows for the uh, land, tropical land to warm up faster during um, during the spring into the summer, and that leads to basically just more fuel for storms when we get to the peak season. So during the spring into the early summer, I look a lot at pressures in more of the subtropics, and then for the... Um, peak of the season, then I start looking more at pressures in the peak of the, or in basically what's known as the main development region. So where the storms typically form, which is right off the coast of Africa. Uh, Bill Gray used to always say, you know, if you, if you could pick one place to put a grad suit and you pick Dakar Senegal, that's kind of the money spot. If the waves come off around the latitude of Dakar, um, that's usually where you kind of have the best chance of intensifying. If they, if they, they come off too much farther north, they tend to um, recurve um, and also the waters up there. If you look at the gradient on sea surface temperatures, um, as you go farther north right off the coast of Africa, it gets cold in a hurry. so the systems tend to just die off really quickly. I'll
0: tell you what we're we're getting into some really geeky uh, technical <laughs> I know stuff. I was so much I scared to it.
4: ask about the I low, but I was like, I gotta know. I gotta know <laughs> no, this is good. <laughs> This is good. I
0: I don't know if you've heard, but uh, it, Phil, are you going to the AMS uh, conference in Denver next
1: week? Yes, I'll be there next week.
0: Cool, cool. So the shout out there. But if you haven't heard, uh, the AMS is is shouting out to all the weather enthusiasts because they now uh, have an organization called the AMS Weather Band. Uh, it's basically uh, a part of the AMS. Um, these members have been at the forefront of weather. Water and climate research for a hundred years. So, you talk about geeky, fun weather stuff, right? You'll go behind the scenes with the 10,000 plus scientists, broadcasters, educators, and researchers of the AMS, like Dr. Klotzbach. Uh, the weather band brings together weather professionals and weather enthusiasts. So band members, you can grow your knowledge and appreciation of weather and climate by participating in virtual events online, discussions, Q&As, webinars, photo contests, and more. And actually, uh, one of our our Patreon members, Jeremy Bauer, just recently, uh, I think, took second in one of their photo contests. But the AMS Weather Band, it gives you the opportunity to interact directly with those in the scientific community. So if you want to learn more, and I think you should, uh, check out the band and join today. Just go to AMSweatherband.org. So, hey, it's time for our break. Grab a drink, and we're going to be right back with Dr. Klotzpot.
7: It's time for this edition of Stormfront Freaks Podcast, Storm Chaser Safety Tip.
0: Join retired Fire Battalion Chief Randy Denzer, EMA Director Eddie Aldring, and Police Officer Eric Fox as we discuss some of the most common Storm Chaser safety pitfalls to avoid. All right, so we're covering storm chaser safety tips, and I've got Eddie Aldrin here, former law enforcement officer and current storm chaser and director of emergency management for Nemaha County, Kansas. So we're going to talk a little bit about gassing up so that we're not out chasing in the backcountry roads and we run out of gas. Uh, Eddie, obviously you've got experience here. What would be your advice as to when would be the best times to gas up and fill up on a, a chase day?
2: So, for me personally, what I would do before things even start firing off, I would make sure that my fuel tank's topped off, make sure I have enough, because sometimes you'll be chasing either on a tornado or trying to get to one, and you'll be in the middle of nowhere and have no fuel around. So, you always want to make sure you're topped off even before you start. Another thing that I like to do, I pre-plan my trip, and I, Eric and Randy might Uh, know this too or do this too but knowing what my options are if I need gas in a hurry you don't want to be caught out in the middle of a field on empty uh, with a tornado bearing down on you Uh, that's obviously a safety issue and uh, that not only puts yourself in danger but also puts uh, people that can or that will have to come in and save you like first responders and things like that if something were to happen to you so um, it's not only helping yourself but also helping uh, others that might have to Get you have a bad situation.
0: All right, so let's talk about if you do happen to run out of gas and you are out in the country. Uh, what are some of the best and safest ways to get help?
2: So what what I would do before this is a little embarrassing, but I have been in that situation before, uh, which is how I learned. But a lot of places find farmhouses around. A lot of a lot of those places will have uh, shelters, either detached from their house or in their basements of their house that you could go to. And they normally will have people there. That'd be a certain way. Or if a tornado is bearing down on you, then find a culvert that you can jump into. A lot of times with me, that's the last resort just because it's usually filling up with water and things of that sort. Uh, and then it creates a wind tunnel effect if a tornado were to uh, directly hit you. Uh, so the first place I would start looking for is any sort of building or uh, residence around you that uh, you could seek shelter in and maybe some help to get your car back on track if you're not under the gun with a tornado.
0: All right. Let's also talk about this, you know, because a lot of times it might be a lot easier for a male to go ask for help or go to a farmhouse. But obviously as a past law enforcement officer, Eddie, what are the recommendations to a female that might be out chasing runs out of gas? Where would you recommend they seek help and how? Uh,
2: I definitely, I mean, I would, I would get on the phone, Uh, if you have service. We all know that sometimes you don't get to pick where you're at and what kind of service you have. That would be my first course of action that I would suggest for ladies to take. Uh, Also, if there is traffic, uh, see if you can maybe wave them down. This part of the country, people are pretty apt to help each other out. So seeing traffic come by and maybe flag them down uh, can help both the ladies and the men uh, to get out of the situation.
8: Let's all go to the lobby to get
0: ourselves a treat. Hey, welcome back to the show. So we're here with uh, Dr. Klotzbach, and, and we've asked you a lot of questions already, Phil. And my, I, I just the one thing I want to know is really this, as you've been doing this for a little bit now, I, I kind of want to know what are some of the biggest things you've learned about your forecasting and and about, you know, like, hey, this is what I thought, but this is what happened. And wow, that's showing a pattern, you know, give me an idea of what are some of the biggest things you've learned?
1: Yeah. So I think one of the things that we've learned is really with, with statistical modeling and stuff is that you want to not have too many predictors. So I think if you look historically at some of the forecasts that came out of CSU right when I started, even before I was there, they had, they had too many predictors. Um, and so I think trying to kind of come up with simpler, cleaner models. But one of the things I think has been really neat that we've learned is that, you know, um, it was one of the things Dr. Gray was like, he was really impressed when you actually started seeing this, is that these climate models now have skill at being able to forecast kind of large scale weather conditions months into the future. And the nice thing is they have like 20 or 30 years of basically what they call hindcast. So basically, how well those models would have worked in past years to be able to do that. And I think that's just something that's really revolutionary that we haven't had in the past. So I think that's really something um, that's been really cool to adopt. Um, I've certainly had, you know, kicking around this business for 23 years now, like forecasting the weather is a great way and forecasting weather and climate is a great way to keep yourself humble. Um, uh, kind of like when you have a cat, you know, and, like you go away for two weeks and your cat looks up at you and, you know, goes right back to cleaning its butt or whatever it was doing before. Like, Bill, I know what you're saying. The know what you're saying.
6: Yeah. Big cat guy.
1: <laughs> but anyway, you know, cats keep you humble, right? Because they don't really necessarily particularly care if you're there or gone for two weeks. Um, but forecasting the weather is good at keeping you humble. Certainly our biggest bust that I was a part of was 2013. And that really did... I think, emphasize the impacts of the middle latitudes and how those can really significantly gum up the work, so to speak, for what, quote unquote, should have been a busier hurricane season. Um, So we really have tried to work on that. And I think, you know, we still underestimated its influence in 2022, but I think we were better than we would have been had we not had the 2013 bust. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think all in all, you know, these seasonal forecasts, You know, it's a a really fascinating exercise every year to really try to better understand what makes, again, kind of going back to what I said at the start, what kind of makes the atmosphere and ocean tick. Um, And yeah, forecasting the weather. And certainly when you're out in the mountains, trying to forecast mountain weather will really, really keep you humble too. (laughs) Well, that's the sound.
0: Uh, It is time, uh, Phil, for our lightning round. So this is our game show of flashy and brilliant questions. Uh, that we always get to play with our guests and and tonight we – Brady you're going to like this one too not only will Dr. Klotzbach like this but uh we're going to we're bringing back a variation of a tropical favorite. Uh the tropical favorite is out, is a game we play called hurricane or supermodel. Yes. Where oh, where yeah. we give you a name and you have to tell me was this a name of a a certain hurricane or is it the name of a famous supermodel? So the, the one we're going to play tonight, because we just got done with the uh, World Cup. I don't know if, if, Phil, if you're a soccer fan or not, uh, or football fan, however you want to say that is fine by me. But um, So the game we're going to play tonight is Hurricane or World Cup Player.
7: Probably safer than models with his wife in the other room.
6: Yeah, well, that could
0: be. That could be. So, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a name. And you have to tell me—is this the name of one of the Argentinian players uh, that won the World Cup, or is this the name of a retired hurricane?
1: Got it. Okay. Right. So
0: I'm I'm thinking you should rock this. <laughs> I'll
1: What's give it I'm a thinking? go. <laughs> what I'm
5: this thinking, but could, this, so. this could go really well or be very embarrassing, Phil. No pressure. <laughs> <right>. No pressure.
0: <laughs> so here we go. So the first name, uh, and you just got to tell me—is it a hurricane? meaning it's a retired Hurricane, or it. is it a World Cup player? All right. Got first it. name is Julian. Julian. Julian has
1: not been retired, so it must be an Argentinian player.
0: That is correct. Uh, Julian Alvarez uh, is a forward for the team. All right, the next one. Uh, and, uh, forgive me because I'm going to just mess these names up big time. Emi. Emi. How is that spelled? E-M-I.
1: Oh, that's got. that's uh got to be an Argentinian player.
0: That's correct, Emi Martinez, yeah. uh, goalkeeper. All right, next one, Dorian. Oh, Dorian's
1: a Hurricane. <laughs>
0: Bingo, 2019 uh,
6: retired. Yeah, well, I, I could, I could swear the the, the striker was Dorian, right?
0: You could know? be.
1: No, it was, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, are wasn't. there any ones that are both? It
0: wasn't. No, <laughs> there, there is no Dorian on the team. All right, Felix.
1: Felix was, was retired.
0: Yeah, extra bonus points if you remember the year.
1: 2007. You got it. Oh my God, he's on it. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, good.
0: All right, so the next one uh, can be pronounced and hell angel and gel.
1: <laughs> Argentinian player. <laughs>
0: Yeah, his last name is DeMaria. Maria. I can't pronounce his first name correctly, but oh, okay. Uh, he's a, a mid- midfielder. All right, uh, next one, Caesar. Soccer player or Hurricane?
1: Uh, that would be a soccer player.
0: Oh. Uh, Nineteen
1: ninety-six. What? That came over from the Eastern North Pacific, I believe.
0: Oh, was that Pacific?
1: Yeah. Well, All right. What are we doing? He wins on I, gotta, you know, I gotta take. I gotta take it. Well, I won't look at it because I don't see the other retired names. I'll okay, we
7: it. gotta get him on Jeopardy. He's gotta yeah,
1: get on
0: Jeopardy. That's I'm true. All right, so that, that could be. So that could be. Maybe it was. Maybe they combined both Pacific no, and Atlantic. You know,
1: Caesar may have gotten retired for stuff it did in the Central America. I'd have to go back and look.
0: All right, that's tough. Talk- I'm gonna give it, give it to you anyway. You got it. No, no, no! no. Right. Don't give it to me. Okay. Well, someone look it up. Who, who's <laughs> look it up on your computer? Look up oh my God. Uh, All right. retired I'll look hurricane games. right, see if I can find games. it. I thought we weren't allowed if, to do that. That's cheating. See if 19 – well, it's For you guys, it's okay. Phil's playing the game. All right. Well, they're looking that up. Phil, uh, we're looking at Nicholas.
1: Nicholas Soccer- has not been
0: retired yet. Yep. Soccer player Nicholas Tagliafico. I don't know, defense defenseman, I guess. All right, uh, Frederick, soccer player, Hurricane.
1: Oh, Frederick's a hurricane.
0: Frederick. Frederick, Frederick. Hurricane. 79. You got the bonus. Very good. Uh, A couple more. Joaquin.
1: Joaquin was retired 2015. I remember that one.
0: Bingo. All right, last one. Lionel. Lionel.
1: Which one?
0: Lionel.
6: Lionel, oh, Phil? Lionel, Phil Lionel, Phil, Phil, hold on, hold on, Lionel, Lionel, is his last name Messi
0: no, maybe, Lionel. <laughs> it's Lionel it's not Richie, it's not Richie
6: what how hey it's it, it's Lionel. american
0: it's you're oh you're God. pronouncing it the American way, Brady, but anyway, all right, hurricane or soccer player,
6: <laughs>
1: soccer player, for sure yeah. Thank you for asking me the names of the soccer players. Though. <laughs> oh, if you want me to get the names of players, it better be the Boston Red Sox. i can give th- you Phil,
6: can oh, you wow. come to my next weather trivia night, like, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I think if yeah. you're on my team, we, you know, I usually finish a lot. Oh, so.
1: I'm telling you, we. So there's a guy in our department, Russ Schumacher, who won the tournament of champions on Jeopardy. He's Ooh. got some pretty epic knowledge of all sorts of random stuff. Like he ran, I think he ran like the opera category. I was like, dude, I i don't know i saw one opera and that was enough for me <laughs> all right so don't don't... to the marriage of figaro i was like all right that's it check it out on caesar part. here though
5: so the name caesar was retired the spring of 1997 will not be used again in the atlantic basin it was replaced with Cristobal in the 2002 season
1: all right so that came across yeah because that's when i think that became douglas in the eastern north pacific after it I is yep
5: hurricane caesar okay. douglas yep wow
8: well, you won, in
4: my book.
0: So uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that was a big winner. That so uh, anyway, great job, Phil. You're awesome at that. So uh, tell our listeners how they can follow you and find your stuff and, and really find your uh, forecasts when those come out.
1: Yeah. So, um, our fork. So basically if you want to find stuff on me, I'm really easily Google Googleable because as best I know, I'm the only Phil Klotzbach block in the world. Um, there's not a lot of Klotzbox even in Germany, so there's not many of us. So if you ever need a Klotzbox, what does, it mean? does
5: Klotzbox what mean anything?
1: It means like stumbling brook.
5: But <laughs> that's there's, a, nice. there's a
1: Klotzbox Strasse in <laughs> your Stuttgart, but that's the only thing even in Germany. Even with all the box and, and you go in like Germany and Switzerland, there's no Klotzbox. So there's all sorts of other box, but no Klotzbox. You're um, an
0: endangered species. We <laughs> are,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, unless you live in Western New York, there's a lot of us there. And that's about it. Other than that, no, not many Klotzbachs. Wow. Um, so to find me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at, at Phil Klotzbach. I chose my Twitter handle long before I knew I was going to do a ton of stuff on Twitter. Um, so I, I signed up for Twitter to complain at United Airlines like 10 years ago. Um, so <laughs> apologies for the, for the Twitter handle, but that's that's what I got. Um, and um, to find all our seasonal forecast stuff, it's on tropical.com colostate.edu. So tropical.colostate.edu is where you can find seasonal forecast, subseasonal forecast. So my Twitter feed is mostly hurricane stuff um, and then outdoor pictures, which most of them are taken by my wife, who's a way better weather photographer than I am. Uh, but usually mountains and stuff like that. I do nothing political, nothing on that stuff. So we leave that for everyone else to rant and rave about. But mostly, it's just, most, and it's almost all hurricane stuff. Um, that's kind of kind of my jam. So
7: very good. Phil, well, I'll tell you Phil, what. Phil, I, th- I got to thank him because he's the only guest who's made me feel like Homer Simpson <laughs> in all these episodes. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, hey, you know.
8: That's so good. So thank you. That's good.
7: Oh.
1: I right, we we'll that, that is a pretty good uh, episode of The Simpsons when they go into um, – what was it? They go into, like <laughs> – we haven't had a record. Was it the hurricane hitting Springfield, right? And we're like, we haven't had a record of a hurricane hitting Springfield since – like the Hall of Records got mysteriously destroyed by a windstorm like 20 years earlier. Or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, ne- next time you're on our our, our lightning round is going to be Simpson trivia. So that's, yes, will- yes, how well, long
1: as the first like 12, 13 seasons. Yeah, uh, oh, okay. you know, I, I, I can I don't, I don't. got it anymore. But I might.
0: We're... I might not be able to find enough material out at twelve and twelve, thirteen seasons. So uh, we'll see. But we're, and now we're, I feel we're... like
7: Fred Flintstone. So I'm just saying, he just keeps <laughs> making me feel dumb. All
0: right, bad. Shut up. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and take it. our last break, and we'll be right back with Potty Mouth Forecast. Uh, that's gonna have you rolling on the floor. So we'll be right back.
4: I'm
1: Tim Marshall, storm chaser, meteorologist, and engineer with the Stormfront Freaks Podcast.
7: Let's take a drive under the moon Let's take a drive under the somber sky Let's take a drive under the moon
6: Who is that? That's a who. Who am I? I'm Brady. Who is this or what is this segment? Uh, this is Weather Fools. I don't know why I'm talking in a question marks, but I'm going to stop. So what is this segment for those that it's your first time on the show? Well, uh, it is Weather Fools, and it is us as the Stormfront Freaks. We're going on the Internet. We're going on the dark web, as Phil likes to say. We're looking for you know videos, photos, really anything where someone is doing something not so smart, and it deals with the weather. Dina, I understand you have two, and guys, guess what? There's going to be a lot of weather fools tonight, so buckle up. Dina, who is your weather fool this week?
4: Okay, this is a title called Man Surfs Behind a Car After Heavy Downpour Hits Northern California. Yes. So
6: <laughs> always smart. we know
4: that there's been that atmospheric river, you know, bringing all that rain, <laughs> Jeez, but this he's guy's going, getting pulled too. on a surfboard by a car down the road.
3: They're not just you know, they're this, going by they're a living. lot of
4: cars. That's really like, yeah. Like, I, I don't know how he doesn't like. Maybe he crashes around the corner here, but
3: nothing could go it's wrong. It's
4: ridiculous. Like you're don't it's stop. It's an accident fast. waiting to happen. Or you <laughs> oh, either God, get the car gets in an accident. Watch, keep or watching maybe, this
0: because he's got to yeah. turn, doesn't he? Have to turn up ahead, like turn it, yeah, right. Yeah, it, it looks like, like they're like do. they would yeah. go out so to that, the ocean. That guy's going to go flying into that palm tree. There's a yeah, white right. van,
6: look, right there, that goes right, right yeah. in front of him. And, it's just like, and I was waiting yeah, to you know, see a crash, would.
4: but, you know, I'm like, oh, my God. Really? No. Like, and it doesn't look, it, it's, very, it's very flooded, but it doesn't look so deep that if he falls, yeah. he's not going to crack his head open. So, nah, that's it's me much. being a mom, you're going to break your head open. <laughs> but I do have one more, and this is funny. This was We're a TikTok one too, where this kid's got this. He's at the beach, and he's got this like um, um, like pool, oh. inflatable pool. So he yeah, thinks put he's your gonna computer really, in there. Really oh. cool. you... he's gonna like almost be on a couch with popcorn, oh, no. and drink, blankie, in his, oh, and his oh god, laptop. look at the waves coming! Comes a big wave, oh, oh, holy <laughs> And god. it totally oh. just gets him. I'm like, oh my god, he's all full of water. I mean. He, we gotta watch this again. Oh, oh. I mean, he even puts his pillow, his laptop, everything, popcorn. He Got thought his munchies. He was, oh yeah, he's like, look at me. Life is great. You
3: can you can see it coming behind, and him. You can it's see the behind coming. him, and he <laughs> looks
4: behind oh so him, and I'm like, oh my god. I just thought Oops. that was so funny. I'm like, whoever like was is-
0: filming, like, look, turned and ran or
4: something. Yeah, yeah. you were out. panicky. I like how the title yeah. is
5: natural selection at its finest yes <laughs> exactly
4: but I um, laughed the, I laughed the, up when I saw that one.
6: The biggest loser was the was the whatever mom has bought that laptop because you're gonna have to buy oh. another one that yeah. laptop is ghost. <laughs> uh, but Dina, those were pretty great. I understand we have several other weather fools. It's been a busy couple of weeks here. Apparently, Serena, who are your weatherfalls this week?
5: Yeah, I've got a few. We're going to focus it on Northern California here still um, with all the flooding that's taking place there. So here's just a video of Highway 101, Ooh. which if you don't know, and San it's Francisco. Yeah, it's like the main highway. And it's, I mean, it's up, you know. It's up touching the bottom they of the car. Like
3: That's not a highway.
5: <laughs> yeah, no, it's just this massive highway. It's multiple lanes and you see it's just completely underwater. But people are still driving through it there. I think and- I saw a
7: shark. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and then here's he's not the- in his
7: lane either. I noticed that.
5: Oh, no, certainly not. And then we've got another one here where, once again, driving through lots oh of Lord. flooded water, and you can see debris and stuff. Look at this tree. And There's a oh. that is. And look how fast he goes. Now it's not as fast as Dina's video. I thought this one was a quick one until I saw Dina's. But you can see debris in the water. You see trees ahead of him, and he's just hauling butt, spraying yeah. water everywhere. Awake. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's a weather fool. So the last one (laughs) isn't a video, but this one I I really like because the mayor of San Francisco accused the National Weather Service office, the Bay Area office, of not warning them in advance of these powerful storms that are coming. There's these atmospheric rivers and this bomb cyclone on Wednesday that, you know, has Uh affected the area um and they were like they didn't tell us this was going to be happening and they came back and were like excuse me we were there 10 days before your planning meeting on the 28th and said that this was going to be happening and it was awesome. i love it i loved it because I'm, the weather always I, oh, takes the excuses awesome. in so many places with government and aviation and all that weather service stood up and said wrong we told you and i love we'll it we'll be here so, long
4: after you're uh, gone there buddy Exactly. Right.
5: So, so the mayor That's of San one. Francisco is today's weather fool. for me. until San Francisco
4: W S, you gotta get them. A Dina's kind of bitter. I mean, well, oh, you I mean go. They, <laughs> people always try to like cast blame, and these guys have been on it. That yep. we've been watching that forecast a long time. Yep.
6: No, I mean, it, even in after tomorrow, it happened, right? You remember when they were
4: predicting, <laughs> and they're just
6: like, "No, yeah, right, no, right, you
1: stupid
7: right.
6: weather guy, get out of here, you big nerd. <laughs> it's
1: the you neutrinos."
6: Know, Yeah, come on. Well, Serena, those were pretty great. Uh, I'm going to get to Phil because I understand Phil is an overachiever tonight. Phil, do you have six (laughs) weather fools? I've got a
0: few. I've got a few. I'll get through them quick. So the first one, uh, this was in Florida, Madeira Beach. And this person on their balcony, obviously, you can see on the still that uh, storm coming through, very low visibility because of the rain. Uh, But as I play this... Oh, God. oh my a little There's bit of a, a lightning strike uh wow. rather close Wow like that I, was I close I almost
4: feel like I'm getting a shock uh,
0: you can feel it
4: <laughs> yeah
7: Oops. Wow. that's the alcohol
0: yeah so that that that, that was a that was a close one all right the next one uh this was in Seattle recently and this hill uh this hill the residential hill apparently was pretty slick so I'm gonna play this
5: oh, oh Not yeah. that, hill, first, that like Jesus. Oh my
0: yeah, God. So this car is trying to make <laughs> it down the hill and really no, has no, no hope of no. steering oh, or no. oh, stopping. There it goes. Oh, anywhere. oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. Take it out some trash cans. And meanwhile, there was oh a guy up yeah, trying of other to walk down oh, the sidewalk. Yeah. Didn't work out well so either. there's a lot going on here. So as we play it again, yet yeah, notice the guy that's trying to walk, but is slipping. <laughs> that almost gets hit initially. And he's he 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 like again. falling down because he can't stay on the hill on the sidewalk. Boom-ting. This guy bumps oh. the Amazon wow. he hit truck. Everything
4: on the he's way down. The Amazon truck was down.
0: parked. Did you guys realize that Amazon oh, truck yeah. was parked? Yep. And, and now it's it now it hit the white van. Was parked. So they're all moving down the oh. hill. holy cow!
5: That's like dominoes. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah.
0: Good. All right, next one. So we've had a couple turnaround. Don't drown. This is British Columbia here recently in an underpass and it's just completely the underpass is uh, completely submerged these vehicles are up past their headlights oh my god going through this water and i'm wondering what are these people like he's looking at his gps right well it says (laughs) to go this way like this is the way i'm supposed to
5: you know oh my god it's the
0: idiocy of of following the gps and not realizing that you're gonna stall
5: this is not okay
0: Nope. All right, then let's go up to Buffalo. Hey, um, there we go. Remember, Buff, no. Buffalo had the uh, travel ban. And here is a drone shot or an elevated shot of a uh, uh, a busy road going through residential Buffalo. But as you can see, there's like a plowed path that curves Just all over the place. through, yes. Because it's got to curve past all the trucks and cars that are <laughs> yep, under snow. Stranded. and Wow. Uh, yeah.
5: Quite the zigzag. That's awesome. So that it travel is.
0: ban was, was didn't work so well. Um, the next one I'm going to share with you is rather recent. Uh, it's a Storm Chaser that was live streaming. And uh, I'm going to play this. And so this was their live stream of their Storm Chase. And, and I don't really know. I don't, I don't think it's known yet. Wh- whose fault? What's going on? Other than the fact that as he's driving, you'll start to see some brake lights up ahead. Which kind of. <coughs> kind of tells you that, hey, we probably start slowing down a little bit or something's going on up ahead in front of you, even though the visibility's tough because it's raining out. But, unfortunately, there's there a are. car. Oh. So there are the brake lights. Oh,
5: yeah, start to stop. Oh, my, oh, my there's God. There's a
0: car. Oh, oh good Dead Lord. stop right in front of him in the lane, Oof. and he I mean, hit it.
4: Phil, I think I did see this, and I think he messaged on Twitter that he admitted it was his fault. and He said he was sorry, but people were, like, really all over him about this.
0: Yeah, there are just a lot of two sides. The, the one thing, I, I saw the tweet from him, and maybe there's another one, but the tweet that I saw was that, that, that the individual that was stopped in the middle of the highway mm-hmm. um had said that yeah he was at fault he had stopped sounded like maybe he might have been drinking i don't know but Mm. supposedly he said fled the scene after the accident yeah but i've seen other stuff too so i i i don't know maybe who's at fault who's not at fault but i do have one more to share with you and this this one's got to come with a little audio um because this this you have to to really hear to understand. But so this was in Iowa during a blizzard uh, in Waterloo, and this news station uh, needed to go to their sports guy to do some yep. broadcasting uh, on site uh, from Jeep. the blizzard. So deep we'll, on the
8: bench. Awesome. This, this was was awesome. Uh, again, already... uh, the same way I felt about eight. Oops.
0: Can't hear that can you yeah we can yeah we can, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. okay <laughs> let's
8: go when you ask me that same question right i normally do sports uh everything is canceled here for the next couple of days so what better time to ask the sports guy to come in about five hours normally so, I mean, uh, earlier the than the he truth, would normally right? wake up go stand out in the wind and the snow and the cold and tell other people not to do the same i didn't even realize <laughs> that there was a three thirty also in the morning i uh, until today. It's absolutely uh, fantastic, Ryan. You know, I- I'm used to these evening shows that are only 30 minutes long, and generally on those shows, I'm inside. So uh, this is a really long show. He Tune is in for the, the next best. Couple hours I love To watch progressively get crankier and crankier. But how do I get that uh, Storm Chaser 7 duty? I-, I feel like Clint got the uh, better end of that deal. You know, that thing's heated. Um, The outdoors currently is not heated. Well, I'll tell you what, Ryan. I've I've got good news and and I've got bad news. The the good news is that I can still feel my face right now. The bad news is I kind of wish I couldn't. Can I go back to my regular job? I'm pretty sure, Ryan, that you guys added an extra hour to this show just because somebody likes torturing me. Because compared to two and a half hours ago, it is just getting colder and colder live in waterloo for the last time this morning thankfully i'm mark woodley new seven kwwl <laughs> <laughs> sounds like how so, like yeah so how, how
0: many awesome. pe- how many people are actually right that's what they're actually <sighs> thinking while they're out there doing this exactly stuff
4: and, uh,
8: oh yeah that's that's uh, brilliant uh, he, went viral. That's really he was good.
4: fabulous God, I love now that. they're gonna want him to do it just because he was so funny
2: Probably.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, I think we have, so I've got actually two weather fools this week uh, and we'll quickly hit those and then we'll get to our next segment here. So the first weather fool, I don't know if you guys saw this, but this, this was actually uh, about the same time frame as you know, the Buffalo, um, you know, snowstorm that Phil showed. Um, but this was tweeted out by the West Seneca police department. Um, and, and, oh, and this was, you know, I even saw this on Twitter and uh, there was part of me that was thinking this was real. I know like now looking at it, right? Like it's you're like, there's no way. But with the amount of snow we got, I, you know, I, I didn't know. And, and they were, I even looked at some of the comments. And one of the comments was, you know, wow, that picture almost looks Photoshop Without how high the snowbank is. And then they said crazy, right? And I'm like, I read that. And I was like, oh my God, it is real. And I'm like, no way. And then of course, you know, they, they come out with a couple of comments. This is 100% Photoshop, but... The weather fools okay. are the people like me that actually believe that this was a real screen. I was even showing my family.
5: Those week. are big snowbanks. Those are yeah, big.
6: like two-story yeah. snowbanks. Yeah. 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 But uh but yeah, so that that was that was pretty fun. And then uh, this second one actually uh this doesn't actually have any weather in it, you know. I'll make it full screen here. But this well, this was because but we you know, in Austra- something else to show right? Australia, there was a big heat wave, which apparently makes the uh the animal's pretty pretty rowdy here, so I'll there just I'll just let this play. You're rowdy, or Randy. What, pl- what are they doing? I don't even <laughs> know what's going to play, but basically, for those that are on the audio <laughs> podcast, it was my dad got jumped by a kangaroo today, and it was a guy fighting a kangaroo. So don't worry, we'll have that video. Yeah, the guy, as guy well. comes <laughs> and runs around
4: the corner and gets jumped <laughs> by a kangaroo. There's so, yep, yep, so. many videos though, of kangaroos like fighting and doing crazy stuff anymore. Pretty mean, I think. I think I they, they aggressive.
5: I don't know. Everything in Australia wants to kill you. Kill Even you. The <laughs> Yeah. Right. Just, Even Just the wanted to give the reminder
6: that Australia is a is a fun but dangerous place. Well, guys, we're going to have the links to all of those. Uh, well, there's going to be a lot of them, so really entertaining uh, show notes to look at. Go to StormfrontFreaks.com. Look for episode 174. Look specifically at the show notes.
4: All right. I got to love that song. But this is part of the potty mouth forecast. So we search the dark web. We find audio clips of, you know, inappropriate material that might not have gotten heard by the public. You know, maybe somebody didn't turn their mic off or, you know, had a little problem in the bathroom didn't turn their mic off maz is smiling because i have a feeling he probably did this so
7: then there, done know, that yeah
4: sometimes you say things and you forgot you have a hot mic so phil what do you got
0: so you i think you all are gonna like this one tonight so our, our lovely serena arnold
5: uh, <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait! 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 Wait!
0: Uh, wait! I found this. So Serena Arnold, if you if you don't know, and you should know if you're a listener to the uh, to the show, but she's written a book called The Weather Story, a children's book, great book. And she actually, for us, recently sent me a reading of this children's book that we made available as a bonus episode. So you you can find that on our podcast feed. Um, but it's great because she actually reads the story, but then she adds some additional weather knowledge (laughs) after each of these pages. Well, I don't know if she realized this, but she accidentally sent me a couple files and the first one I listened to, my guesses was probably the first one she recorded and then forgot that, wait, this is a children's book and, uh, the audience (laughs) maybe should be a little different. And so I'm like, wow, we, we got we to gotta play this. Now, I have edited every, the, the words out, like the bad words that she used, I've edited out. But I did want to share this Thank with you. you. It's, a, it's a clip of the reading. And then I'm going to share the whole reading with our Patreon members. They're going to get the whole thing. But this is a clip, so you guys might like this
5: let's dive in and talk a little bit about the weather story now this is a book that i um authored and illustrated as well i did all the pictures for it um and i did it because my youngest niece uh, or one of my nieces excuse me was afraid of thunderstorms and i said "You know, Ah! that's kind of crazy she just needs a good book and after looking to find some books out there i didn't find any that i really liked so i said i'll write my own so that's where we have the weather story and that is with francis fox so he's on every page and he talks a little
8: <laughs> bit about his body. So, we are surrounded by
5: air from the ground to the sky it covers us everywhere and goes very high the air can seem damp and heavy or it can be light and dry what you're noticing is humidity the percent of water vapor in the sky so water vapor is actually water in its gas form so water can be <laughs> vapor, can have a solid liquid or a gas solid would be like ice and snow liquid is water and a gas you can't See. that's a, clip, yeah, that's I a think, good one. Oh
4: my god. Oh, the unrated version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the
7: look the look on her face when you said it's like Syrian and she's like what? Oh.
0: Yeah,
4: I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Her head popped oh, up. That's
0: <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so Francis Fox is on every flipping page, apparently, uh, <laughs> of the book. <laughs> that was uh, anyway. So you you can currently the the nice kitty version is actually on our podcast feed, but uh, we'll we'll make this adult version uh, available for our Patreon
7: members. <laughs> um, good book, Serena. So
4: the- <laughs> I tried really effing hard. <laughs>
0: uh, okay uh let's uh let's turn it over to i think mj send me
5: a postcard drop me a line you've got mail baby
3: yeah. yeah we got mail we're gonna keep it on the uh serena uh storyline guys you know no this is no come on now but we do hope as i pull the put this one up this is a visual for our people who are watching but also uh kyle lawler checked in and you can see the pictures on there walked into my daughter's room this morning and she's reading the weather story on her own thought you'd love to see this hopefully it's the kitty
4: version.
3: that's a really cute little so picture and, and thank you kyle for uh for that sending nice. that and chiming in and then our other correspondence uh in the freak fan box this week uh, was from our own Kim, Kim Cunningham, former guest and former co-host. And of course, if you had a chance to listen to our bonus episode from, uh, with our top 10 raw uh, episodes, we also had the top five raw moments. And of course, Kim Cunningham's Skeletons uh, was, was the number one. And, and so Kim, Kim chimed in and said, Oh, this is such an honor. I laughed so hard again. So uh, thank you
0: uh,
3: for such a great opportunity. I miss you all. Happy New Year! And that comes from Kim. So thank you, Kim. She's great for checking in. She's so great, absolutely. So that's yeah. The if you haven't,
0: uh, Maz, uh and Brady too, if you guys hadn't listened to that top ten episode that Jeremy Bauer did, mm-hmm. uh, you got you got to check that out. You guys would like okay. it, and you're. Gonna he put get a lot of time into that. Out of it, yeah, and yeah. he did, and it was really good. We we appreciate it. Yeah, it was that. very so, good. So I think that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks podcast. So thanks, everybody, uh, for checking in and listening and
7: watching. Hey, before we announce the guest of our next episode, if you like the show, don't forget to follow us. On our, and of course, it's on the podcast player. So if you get notified, you receive the latest episodes of our show delivered right away to your library the moment they get released. That's what happens. And please help us out and send a friend your favorite
6: episode. And guys, you can also subscribe to our YouTube page and watch previous versions of our Stormfront Freaks Raw recording, which are completely unedited. A little dangerous, I know, but you know Ooh, what? You get, yeah. you get the best of the freaks and stuff. the worst of the freaks. Uh, so you, you're going to hear all of the great conversations during the break, the great questions from our VIPs. And who knows who knows what else gets censored or edited out of our audio podcast. Let me just say there's some good stuff in there. Just search Stormfront Freaks on YouTube or find the link on our website. We'd also love to have you on our Patreon team.
3: We love our Patreon members uh, and appreciate your support of the show. In return, we'd like to offer some unique bonuses only for you. Visit StormfrontFreaks.com to find the Patreon link so you can join our Raw broadcasts, have access to exclusive merch, or even... Become one of our limited VIPs who are joining us this evening and be with us and our guests in the studio on each and every show.
5: Awesome. Special thanks to our guest tonight, Dr. Phil Klotzbach.
4: Hey. Nice. And don't forget to check out all our new Stormfront Freaks merchandise. We have new hats, T-shirts, sweatshirts, tanks, and more with our tornado logo, weather fools logo, and weather trollbot. You'll find it along with everything else at the stormfrontfreaks.com
0: Yeah, did everybody notice that how much Mark loves uh, talking about the Patreon members? You didn't care. It was good. It was like Barry White. Hey, so uh, freaks, let's uh, let's find out how people can follow you guys and uh, social media, all that stuff. Serena, I'll start with you.
5: Sure. Everything is W X C Y R E N A Whether Serena. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.
0: God, you are like the grand slam of social media there. Uh, Maz, are, are you on four different social media platforms?
7: If you drink twice and hold up Twitter, then you get four in there somehow. But yeah, so it's uh, at uh, money, I almost forgot, money, storm, the number four in U, the letter U. So.
6: Very good. All right, Brady. <laughs> you know, I've been kind of taking a break from social media. I'm just being real. I'm on the new app called Be Real. Uh, search for, I think it's bradley something i don't even know so just, <laughs> just, great just, can't wait real to- people know where to find me on be real so i'll see you there
4: i've never even heard of it
6: oh it's great it, it essentially you get prompted randomly once throughout the day to take a photo and you gotta oh, yeah, take yeah, it yeah, within yeah. two minutes so you can't you know there's no going in the mirror there's no nothing you're you're just so taking it where you're, on you're at
4: toilet yep tonight was doing the toilet you gotta take a, picture. Took
6: a nice, took a nice picture of the freaks and okay. uh, I don't is. think my eyes were closed, so that's good. But that's be Shocking. real. You're that's being real. real. It's
0: so, and you don't, you like can't it. tell from that photo like what your Twitter or what your be real uh, account name is.
1: Uh... <laughs>
6: <laughs> You're like Maz.
0: <laughs> Wait,
1: oh yeah, Ma- it's Bradley
6: sixty nine. I don't know why I did that, but Bradley sixty nine. <laughs> <That, I'm not laughs> Brady, Brady. Brady Harris was taken, so I had to take. I don't know. I just came up with something random. There's an yeah, infinite random.
7: number of numbers. Num-
6: <laughs> I just State I'm gonna taken. let that one go. Uh, Sixty eight was taken. Finding the, the number.
7: I panicked. Sixty
0: eight <laughs> was taken. Yeah, so it was just next to oh, mine. Steve all right, let all- well, all right. M- I'll let it go. MJ.
3: <laughs> I do all my Barry White impressions on Twitter at Mark M A R C.
0: Perfect. All right,
3: Dina.
4: <laughs> i just can't stop <laughs> no, I, right i'll i won't say it i'm lady pilot 70 on twitter and dina osu on instagram
0: all right you can, uh, you can find That's me really on well, twitter
4: 69 but I'm, you
0: know i'm tweeting at StormfrontFreak.
5: freak <laughs> oh my god all right so hey on the next episode we return live on january 19th not 69th to talk about storm chaser safety and emergency disaster response. And we're going to be doing that with EMT, Colin Belducci and SpaceX crew surgeon, Keith Brandt. So Patreon members can join our raw video recording live and the edi- edited audio podcast will be available to everyone else the following weekend.
0: Very good. So for Serena and Maz Brady, MJ, Dina, we still have uh, Angela and, and uh, where did Dan go? Dan's gone, but but Garrett's still here. Yeah, he probably did give up on us. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear. We'll catch you guys next time. Good night, everybody.
3: Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Find our bi weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. And watch our live and recorded shows on YouTube. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you are there, check out our live interactive storm chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.